Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Russ, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes from Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Libby Marshall from Steam Capital. Before we settle into the show today, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. I know that you're going to love Libby's story of doing whatever it takes to break through and succeed. And if you're a return listener, welcome back. It's great to have you here. Make sure before we kick off, you just peek at your phone quickly and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening into on right now as well. So that way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some inspiration right in your pocket every couple of days because we release a whole boatload of content. All right, let's get into the show today with Libby. As you'll hear, Libby is a career expert. She's got more than 30 years of experience in business and she specializes in developing the capability and the capacity of people. In our lives, we have a hierarchy of importance. It's normal for family to be first and somewhere in the top five would be career. Now, Work isn't everything to everyone, but if I could make a generalization here for a minute, I'd say that most people really do care about their career and where that's taking them in their life. And as you know, we're living in a rapidly changing world. Gone are the days where you have just one job that lasts you for 40 years and then you retire. Statistically, you'll have five to seven career changes throughout your lifetime, and each and every one of those will require you to go all in and completely commit to them to make them a success, or at least to make a go of them. Career transitions, job changes, and advancements are all things that all of us have to deal with in the modern workforce, and Libby is an expert at helping people during these times of change. As you'll hear, Libby's business, Steam Capital, is on the very leading edge of the changes that are happening and that we're facing in our society. For employers, a sustainable workforce is more critical than ever. And for employees, there's a huge amount of choice about where to work. So the shift is happening and there's less of a focus on employees pitching themselves and more of a move towards employers pitching their offer and their workplace as the one of choice. The way that employers attract talent is changing rapidly and radically. And Libby has gone all in on her business to get ahead and ride the wave and capitalize on these new and exciting trends and opportunities that are coming down the pipeline. I'm excited she's here. So please help me in welcoming Libby Marshall. Well, good day, Libby. Welcome to the Goal In Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thanks, Rob. It's a real pleasure to be with you and all of the listeners today. Awesome. Well, before we get into the go-all-in mindset and doing whatever it takes to succeed, let's find out a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about you. Where are you from? Well, I'm from Brizzy, Brisbane, Australia. Grew up here in Brisbane. I have seven brothers and sisters, six sisters and one brother. So it was pretty crowded growing up. I spent a lot of time in the UK after I finished my studies working and uh, got back to Australia and yeah, started my career in tourism, I suppose. And um, a few number of years later, I'm, I'm married with, with kids and uh, I live in Brisbane, but I am very fortunate to have a business that now operates throughout the Asia Pacific. Very nice, very nice. And how long have you been in business for? Well, Steam Capital started in 2017, in August 2017. I This is my second business though. I had a business when I was after having babies. 
I started my own business. That was my first business, which was a great success and went back to the corporate world after four or five years of doing that. And uh, yeah, so, but this business, Steam Capital, two years. What, what, was the, what was the first business that you did after you had your kids? Well, back in those days, I was a specialist in marketing and communications. And so I did a lot of work with Origin Energy in their communications field when they were starting up their APLNG works. I did a lot of work in charities for the Lord Mayor's Community Trust here in Brisbane. So I had a number of clients I was working with all around that marketing comms, um, stakeholder engagement, event management, I suppose. And actually, it was that first business that led to where I am today. Very nice, very nice. And did, did you get into business originally to fit it in around your family, around a young family? Because that's a pretty common thing for for women especially, but it's common for, for Australian families because it's difficult to be in a nine to five, no such thing as a nine to five corporate job. It's more like a, a seven to 10 type lifestyle with little kids. It's just not possible, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, it, that, it sort of happened that way, but in actual fact, I undertook a bit of a career change after having my first baby, not realizing I was pregnant with my second child. I know that sounds a bit crazy, and uh, took a career change and unfortunately it didn't work out the way that I wanted it to and uh, the business, I have to say, I did not do my due diligence and the values did not align and when I discovered I was pregnant, I took the opportunity to leave that business and start my own business. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I, I do know that what that feels like to not have those values align in business with other people. I know exactly what that feels like. And you, you kind of wake up every day with an anchor around your neck and it's a very, very unpleasant feeling. And yeah, I, I it happened to me recently and I was forced to make some really hard decisions because I was in a space that I absolutely loved, but the values didn't line up for me. And, you know, people just not paying invoices, people just not behaving the way that they should in an ethical manner. Is the same sort of thing happened to you or is it something a little bit different? Oh, well, I was a full-time employee with this organisation and this is about, this would have been about 2003, I think, 2004. I was a paid employee. Actually, no, it must have been a little bit after that. But um, it just wasn't, yeah, the, the managing director did not, uh, yes, share similar values. So it was, it was just one of those things. But it is hard and, it's, and you know, I, I work with people transitioning their careers all the time now. And I think our values and our purposes in our careers have become so important to us so that we do operate in a, in a really great way. But, and I do work with a lot of people who's, who, who perhaps don't share in the same values with their organisations and, and it can be really tough. And some people are in circumstances where they can't change that mm. and others work towards changing that strategically and gradually. Mm. Yeah, it's a really important conversation. And I found for me, I've been in business for a long time, you know, since I left the military, I had a couple of different companies, done a few different things, I've had jobs in between businesses and whatnot, of course, like everybody. And I never really came to a place where it didn't align to my values, like, like it was opposite to where I was. And I never really spent much time thinking about what my values were. You know, you hear all this personal development stuff like, what are your core values, Rob? What should they be? You know, what do, what do you want to do with your life and how are you doing that? And I'm like, well, what are these people on about all the time? It's just so far outside the scope of 
my my sphere of like thought or influence or anything like that. And I think that's because whatever it was that I was doing at the time when I was hearing those things, I was aligned to. So there was nothing there. And it wasn't until I, I banged up against something that wasn't aligned that I realized how outside the scope of that was. And realizing, just realizing actually what my core values are, pay your bills on time, do the right thing, do what you say you're going to do and just be a good person in the world. It's simple. And what was happening on the other side was the opposite of all of those things. Despite the fact that there was money to pay the bills, do the right thing and be a good person, the opposite was, was not true. So very, very, very frustrating and very, uh, very annoying. So can you remember a time, Libby, where there was a light bulb that went off in your mind and you went, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to be in business for myself. Do you remember where that started for you? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to use the example of steam capital because that was a really, that really was. That was a light bulb? That was a light bulb moment. (laughs) And uh, it was a really great moment, but it was also a very scary moment. And uh, if anyone out there has had that same thing happen, it is quite scary because you think, wow, I really have to do this. And I would say that with steam capital, I was really drawn into doing what I'm doing now. And um, I was actually happened to be in San Francisco on a conference. And San Francisco, America is very, you know, enterprising and it's, uh, you know, there's lots of good things about America, but there's also some challenging things about the US as well, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But um, I was over there and, and I, I really did have this vision of what I wanted to achieve. And I came home from that conference and said to my husband, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to resign and <laughs> and start my own business. <laughs> he was very, very pro and is very supportive of what I'm doing, of course. But it is, it is scary, but it was a great moment. And I guess even now when I'm having hard days, because when you do start your own business and when you do decide to go for it, you do have some hard days. So you've got to have tactics in place to deal with that. And one of mine is, remembering that moment and seeing that long-term vision and thinking this is where I'm heading. I love it. I love it. And it's, it's so important to be a little bit introspective about those things and just remind yourself from time to time. Cause when you're, when you're down in the trenches and you're taking incoming fire, the last thing you want to do is to, uh, to put your head above the parapet there and have a look. Cause it feels like you're going to get your head blown off and what's it all for anyway. It's very, very, very frustrating. So it's a good idea to, come back to where it all started every now and then. I love that philosophy. Thank you for sharing that with us. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit of your background with us, Libby. People come on to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? All right. So, well, my biggest going story really is, really is steam capital. I would say that I've had a couple of moments though, where I've done that before. One would be when I left to go overseas to the UK many, many years ago with a group of friends, ended up spending six years there. Of course I came back, but really uh, that was my first time where I sort of went, right, I'm going for it. Another time, of course, would be my climb of Kilimanjaro, which was fantastic. If ever you have an opportunity to climb a mountain, I don't do ice, by the way, as in snow and ice. Um, I won't ever, you'll never see me on Everest or base camp, but Kilimanjaro is a great mountain to climb. 
but I think STEAM Capital and, and, and what I've learned over the last couple of years and I guess what I'm still learning is, you know, you have to be brave. You have to, when, you, when you're going all for it, you, you have to take one step at a time and you, have to, you do have to be strategic and you have to move with purpose, of course, but being brave and remembering that you're unique and that others may not see things the way you see them. And I think that is something that's become very apparent to me as I've undertaken this journey because I do have a vision for STEAM and it's a little bit complicated and not everybody gets it. So one of my lessons has been to to really help to, to communicate that, but but have confidence and faith that what I'm seeing, others may not be seeing. And that's okay. If other people can't see what you can see, that's fine. Just keep moving forward. And that takes a bit, that does take some bravery. So I think, and along with that, being true to self. So not, of course, you as you're going through this kind of journey, you know, sports people, business people, people who are doing these types of things, we need to listen to others. But at the same time, you need to take what they're saying and contextualise it to what's right for you and, and not be, try not to be swayed, but listen to, to the value they're bringing to your, to your world. And it does take bravery to sort of stay true to your journey because it's a lot easier to stop and think, oh, right, maybe others are right. But in actual fact you could be right. And I kind of keep saying to myself very quietly, I haven't told anybody this, so please keep this to yourself. <laughs> but I kind of think, you know, that moment, you know, when probably, you know, the Steve Jobs, you know, he puts a camera in the iPhone and everyone's probably going, no one needs a camera in the iPhone. <laughs> so I kind of think back to that, where would we be without cameras in our iPhones <laughs> today? You know, the, the sentiments you share are, are beautiful. And I was, I was writing an article before this podcast, actually. I was doing some writing and it, I was doing a description of a person in, in the agency side of, of my business, of the Go All In business. And the person I was writing about is an entrepreneur, right? And he's, he's mega successful. And other entrepreneurs and I guess podcasters or business owners look at that and I was lucky enough to sit down with him and do an interview and I went for lunch with him and I did all these really great things but he, he embodies actually what you're trying to achieve it has like the gazillions of dollars this great business everything that you could ever try and achieve and he's so unbelievably humble and he's just a normal dude a regular guy just just a great human being all around you know I can't say enough about the guy Anyway, as I was writing the description, he's kind of like he embodies everything that an entrepreneur is and the spirit of being an entrepreneur, which is you're an expert at your market. You're really, really good at what you do. You spot a gap and you know how to plug that gap. So you go for it and you hmm. go for it irrespective of what anybody says. And that takes courage. It takes determination and you need to be, as you put it, brave and I think brave kind of dulls down how it actually feels because it takes everything. It takes all of your emotional energy and effort to go and plug that gap and, and have a, have a go at it and to, you know, to use the phrase to go all in on it, to make that happen for yourself. When did you realize there was a gap in your market? Maybe you can give the audience a little bit of context and tell us about steam capital and what you yeah. do. As, as you mentioned, it's a little bit complicated, but maybe if you can just take a couple of minutes and explain it to us and then, Tell us how you discovered a gap. 
Okay, sure thing. So I've set STEAM Capital up to really transform the way people prepare for employment and prepare for their careers and to revolutionise the way businesses attract, engage and recruit or onboard their talent. So I'm setting up a talent pipelining solution and, and hopefully in October we'll, we'll, I'll be launching the STEAM Connect platform, which is a tech platform that will enable that to happen. But essentially, STEAM Capital, the programs that I've created, particularly the Masters in Me program, is designed to empower people to take control of their careers and be able to define, you know, design the next step in your career as opposed to applying for jobs. I'm all about positioning you for success and the success you're looking for. And then for businesses... I'm looking to to connect, to set up a portal so that businesses can tap into talent that is motivated, engaged and ready for the jobs of the future. And I will always say the future is here right now. So, you know, don't be thinking, you know, the, the concept of the future of work, it's really unfolding right now. And being prepared to adapt, being prepared to be agile. I know we talk about those words a lot, but employers are really looking for people who are motivated and engaged to, to do that because we don't know. We're in, we're in a world now where we kind of don't know what's going to be happening and what's coming around the corner. So it, it's, it's volatile. It's, it's unpredictable. So we need to be ready for that. So that's really what STEAM Capital is working towards, is setting up this pipelining solution for business, but empowering people to choose the employers of their choice so that they can, you know, be in jobs that they want to be in. Yeah. And when was it, for the second part of the question, thanks for giving us some context there, and the, the second part of the question is, when was it did you realise that there's a gap that you could that yeah. you could really plug there and use Steam Capital to do it with. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I realised it um, in my previous position working in the university sector. I was there to lead employability and career development strategies in a uh, university in in the universities, in particular for MBA students. And being an MBA graduate myself, I understand that transformation that can happen when you take on master's studies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can be quite powerful for people. There, there's in in the master in any master's program, it can be very powerful for people to to want to make that change. And prior to my job there in the university sector, I worked in recruitment, in executive recruitment. And I guess I I, I kind of I'm shifting the 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 dial so that I could I could see that businesses were looking for an alternate solution to their talent. And that people were also looking for alternate solutions to how they engage with future employers. You know, transitionability and transferability is not that easy in in business. You know, when businesses are employing people, they're often looking for someone who's done that exact job or done that exact road, have that exact experience. It's not as it's not as bad as what it used to be, but we've still got a lot of room to grow where we can identify transitionable and transferable skills into the job of your choice. And I suppose I saw a gap there for both people and for business who were wanting to find people that wanted to work for them, but also people 
who wanted to find jobs that they ne- necessarily may not have done before, but they're looking to transition their careers. Mm. And I'm a firm believer that you can achieve anything you want to achieve as long as you're committed to the process and engaged in that process. So I guess I've seen that opportunity in the market to help people transition their careers and to help businesses identify engaged and motivated talent that want to come and work for them. Mm, yeah, and I, I, I love it. I love it a lot because when I first uh, engaged with you, I, I found you on LinkedIn, we got on a call, we were, we were talking on a call and it, it really struck a call with me from both sides of that marketplace. So you, you've created a platform that's going to go live and so my understanding is that people have five to seven careers in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what they have. And if I look back at my life, I've had a couple like that as well. I think I'm, I'm, thinking I'm on, this would be number five, this one, this podcasting PR thing that I'm doing, you know, of all the things that I've done, I've, I've done a couple of different things. You know, the IT and the digital marketing stuff was the, the previous one. And then I had some other businesses and then I was in the military. So yeah, this would be number five for me. One of the things that I've discovered being both an employee and, and having a career and having a, a, some pretty good jobs, but also being an employer, it's, it's very, very, very hard. And I couldn't agree with you more that the future is now. The future mm. is changing so damn quickly. And does, the, does this job as a podcaster sitting at a, at a microphone in my studio here exist in five years' time? I hope so. Maybe. Yeah. Hope, maybe I'll little, be a little bit more famous than I am and someone you know, will pick me up and I'll be on TV or something. I don't know what happens. Who knows what happens with the future? But it's just one of those things that is this job or this role going to exist in the future? I don't know. And, you know, that kind of reiterates the point of the future is now. And I love the idea of kind of flipping the existing model on its head where an employee has to go and, you know, go cap in hand, pitching themselves to an employer but it's actually the other way around. The employers are going to say, hey, we're the place of choice. We want you to come and work here because it's so hard, so damn hard to attract good talent. And then you're giving all the power kind of goes back to the employee, but the employer also has a new power that they never had before to say, hey, here it all is here. Am I understanding the model correctly? Because that, that seems to be the future of HR to me as well. Yeah, well, it, it works it both ways. I think that right now the the model and the recruitment model has always been that the employer is saying, this is what we want. This is the sort of person we want. Tick, 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 that kind of thing. And the employee or the potential employee is responding to that. So right now around Australia, hundreds of thousands of people are probably looking at the job boards, looking at jobs going, I can do that. I can do that. And to coin a phrase that someone used the other day, well, they, that people use a lot is, what happens is people start reinventing themselves each job application they have. Mm. And I totally disagree with the reinvention term or reinventing yourself for a job application. And when we're responding to a job application, we often do that. We, we go, oh, I can do that job. Yes, I can do that. Yep. And we're sitting there and we're typing in our application. What I suggest the change is and the transformation is that you step back, don't apply for those jobs. So when people are working with me, when my clients are working with me, they're not allowed to look at the job boards. They have to understand their value proposition and unpack the impact that they have in business and what they can do. And it's based not just on what you've done. We can't be defined just by our experiences. 
We have skills, of course, which come out of those experiences, but we also have natural talents. We have education. We have our strengths. All of these things, those five areas, so education, strengths, natural talents, your, your education and your skills and your work experiences become your value proposition, but they have to become that together. I, I really do advocate that wrapping that all up into a value proposition that talks to the impact you can have. And it might be because it might be in something that you've never done before, but you can do it and you know, you can. So it's about getting that narrative, right. And then being able to say, well, where do I want to do this? This is what I do. This is what I'm good at. Where do I want to take it? My first career, if you like, was in marketing. I I loved marketing. And now I guess I, I take those elements of marketing and I, make them more people focused so that a person can then position themselves with an employer of their choice. So the whole philosophy is around not applying for jobs, but in actual fact, going to the employer that you want to work for and connecting with them on a deeper level and saying, this is what I do. This is the impact I have. This is my expertise. And this is how I want to deliver it. I I love it. I love it so much because as the employer, I'm on the employer side of it. I'm like, where are all these applicants hiding for heaven's sake? This is ridiculous because, you know, let, let me just take you through the standard process that you know all too well. And for the listeners out there that are in business, they, they would be able to empathize with what I'm about to say is I've got a role to fill. The role is X. I go over to Seek. I pay my 300 bucks. I put an ad in Seek. That's a cheap one, by the way. I go yeah. over to Indeed. I buy some ads over there. I go over to Gumtree. I buy a hundred bucks there. I put it on my face here. I put it on my business face here. And by the time I'm said and done, I'm probably a thousand bucks out of pocket with some ads. And the ads work. They work. They work a treat. But I get these CVs that come across my, my desk and I, <laughs> I'm literally drowning in CVs. The, the other alternative that I have is I go to a recruiter and I hand off half my credit card and the balance of my credit card to the recruiter because they can be expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they want a percentage of what that person's going to get paid and whatnot. But I don't really need anybody with sophistication. I need a warm body and a heartbeat to sit in that chair and do what it is that I need them to do. Like I don't need that level of sophistication. It doesn't require a recruiter. But of all the applicants that I get, you know, in my last experience was probably about a month ago with potentially... 150 applicants, there was nothing in there. Yeah. Nothing. There's nothing worth me even starting. You know, they say the wrong hire will cost you $10,000. The wrong hire in my case would have cost me $10,000. So I, I actually decided not to do anything and, and go without or try and do it with a freelancer than to have it with a warm body and a heartbeat sitting in a chair next to me in my office. It just didn't work. And to be fair, Rob, some of those applicants might have been the right person for the job. but No question. No question they would have been. Their, their CV or their narrative around themselves didn't resonate with you. Mm. And in the business model I'm presenting, it's about the employee having the skills to translate their value proposition so that they want to come and work for you mm. and understanding. And then it, what, what, that, what that does is if you end up saying no to me, if I apply for a job and come and see you, and say, look, this is what I do, this is how I do it, this is what I want to do, and you go, oh, sorry, Lib, you know, we don't, we don't need that at the moment, that's okay. Mm. Because if, you're, if you say, Lib, we actually want you to do this, but I don't actually do that, then I'm not going to be productive because I'm not going to be engaged. 
Mm. Yeah, it's, so a, it's a really now, interesting, it's such an interesting philosophy because if you did come to me with that, I would probably go, uh-huh, all right, let's do it. When can you start? It, <laughs> God, <laughs> it's funny like how a small business person, like in, in my mind as a small business owner, it's like a completely different way of thinking. And the applicants on the other side sitting there typing away like a crazy person trying to sell themselves to it. But the reality is I'm like, trying to cut through the noise of all of that and trying to get to something that really is impactful yeah. enough to make them yeah. attractive enough for me to kind of engage with them is, is a really hard process. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the, when we launch Steam Connect, the platform, it will give employers, big business, small business, startups, the opportunity to be able to put their value proposition forward. Mm. Say, this is why you come and work for us. And I know that happens en masse now. You know, you go to any organization's website, they're going to have, you know, why would you come and work for us? Fantastic. But there's a lot of businesses out there that people just don't know exist. And if they don't do their research or pick up the phone. So when we're talking about millennials and, and the Gen Zs that are coming through, Millennials, you've got to learn to pick up the phone and talk to people. That is something I'm going to tell you right now in the employment process. If the millennials picked up the phone and called me, I'd give them a job. That's... Don't be afraid of the phone. Pick it yeah. up and have the verbal conversation because communication skills are most definitely one of the number one, well, probably the number one skill of the future. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Lib. Thank you so much for sharing all of that and, and your insights into it as well. It's really good to see your take on it and your perspective on it. I love how you dovetail the marketing into, into the sales process of getting somebody into the role that they're looking for. I, I couldn't agree with that process more these days. And I, I really believe, you know, it goes to that bit of a catchword, really. It's the personal branding. But your personal branding is not necessarily about you know, the, the go all in brand or whatever brand that you've got. Your personal branding is about you, what you stand for, who you're connected to, who your network is and what your expectations of the world are and what you expect of yourself as well. You know, your personal branding's not some Kim Kardashian thing that people are thinking about. It's mm. about how you're representing yourself to the world. And I, I believe now more than ever in a, in a modern workforce, it's all right for me. I'm in my, I'm in my 40s. I'm kind of in the middle of my working life, but I've been working for myself for such a long time now that it doesn't feel like I'm employed by anybody anymore because I'm like that. But in the event that I had to go back to get a job, if I had to go and get a job and I had to go and work for somebody else like that, I've got this huge network that comes with me. I've got mm. this brand that I've spent a couple of years building that will come with me, which makes me really employable because mm. straight away people are like, that guy knows a lot of people. That guy is connected to a lot of people. We've got this product or service that we're working on, that we're selling, that we can do. How can that person add value to me with their network? Can you maybe offer some comments on, on network and personal branding and where that's all going and you know, what that looks like in the future? Yeah, so personal branding is a really interesting thing because I think with the, the, the advancement in social media and uh, the platforms like LinkedIn, Personal branding has become something of somewhat importance to people. And I don't like to use the word personal branding as such. I, I, like, I really like to use the word being authentic to self because when we talk about brands, our perception is that it has to be, hi, I'm out here, you know, I'm a brand. People are people. And I work with a lot of people who are introverts and they're not going to 
be wanting to put themselves out there in, in that space. In fact, it's one of the things I've really struggled with in my business is my digital presence because it, I just have struggled with putting stuff out there because I think it's hard really listening, <laughs> but, but being authentic to self. And I think it is far more important from a mindset than personal brand. So if, if you're struggling with that branding piece, my advice would be to think about being authentic to self. If you want to put something out there on LinkedIn or you want to share something, do it. If you're not comfortable in that space entirely, don't feel as though you're not out. Your, your brand, if you like, your authenticity is conveyed by your behaviour every single day. So you have a brand at work, you'll have a brand on the bus, in the coffee shop. So try not to, I don't like people thinking they have to get carried away with personal brand. Think of who you are and, and be authentic. And it's your behaviour that is really what matters. I think you and I need to uh, do a, a session, a mind mapping session or some brainstorming session to come up with a better term than personal brand. Because personal brand to me kind of feels like athlete or, or go all in is like a brand. It's like that type of thing. And, I, and I'm pleased. I want it to be in the context of you as, as an individual. And I, I couldn't agree more with you about authenticity and whatnot there as well. What about networks as well? As the HR recruitment expert that you are, if I'm in job X and I've got one eye on the door ready to go to job Y, which is maybe a different industry, maybe a different genre, if you like. I've spent some time in, in Job X and I've spent some time building networks. How do I pick them up and take them with me? I mean, LinkedIn's a natural, a natural thing, but just because I've got 5,000 followers on LinkedIn that I engage with here at Job X, it doesn't mean they're going to have any relevance over there at Job Y. But I think my view of the world is that I think that that actually is really important and in fact it's more important than ever before because there's only kind of two things that you can control is your email list and your podcast or your appearance on a podcast and if you can get people from your LinkedIn into your email list then they're there in a different way because everything else is subjected to an algorithm that you can't control and I love the idea of taking your network and ascending them to a, a different part of your ecosystem whether that's your Facebook your fan page your group whatever it might be, or if you're just an employee, just onto an email list and be communicating with those people because you never know who you, who you need to call on or, or who, who can help you in your network. Can you offer a comment on that? Absolutely. So networks are essential. There's no doubt about that, but it's the quality of your networks, not necessarily the quantity of your networks. You know, you can be linked in with someone, but do you really know them? If you reached out to them, would they, would they offer you assistance or would you offer them assistance? So your networks all come down to the quality of networks and you want to have networks that you can rely on. Um, so the LinkedIn networks, fantastic. But when it comes to, you know, building your networks and opening doors to people you haven't yet met but you, you want to meet into the future because you might be looking to transition your career and certainly opening doors um, with people you haven't met yet is absolutely critical in that journey. So you want to do your research, but you want to find some purpose in connecting with that purpose, with that, with that person. If you, you can't waste people's time 
in building networks, you know, joining associations, joining membership groups, becoming involved is really important. You know, reaching out to people. I actually, many years ago, I had a rule that I wouldn't link in with anyone I didn't know. If I didn't know them or know of them through a professional network, I wasn't linked in with you. And I, and I still to this day have pretty much have that. Because of the jobs I do now and, and the work I used to do in the university sector, I, I, that rule had to be slacked, slackened a little bit. But you, you want to pick your network strategically and you want to be genuine with your networks so that you can, you know, you may not talk to someone for five years, but you may have a reason to connect with them in five years' time or, and be able to say, look, we ha- I know it's been a while, but I'm applying for a job over at such and such would you mind meeting me for a coffee so we can, I'd, I'd love to hear about your experience at, at that organisation or that company. So it's that authentic, genuine connection that you have with people. Remembering networks are people. Hmm. And so, okay. So let me ask the other side of that question and thank you for sharing that. Cause that's beautifully articulated. What about for the employer? So Libby comes to me to come and work, work for me. She says, she ticks all the boxes, got all the right credentials. You tell me you've got a really solid network. I can see on LinkedIn, you know, you've got 5,000 people that follow you or whatever it might be. How do, I, how do I know if the network that you've got is any good? And, you know, because that's, that's generally as a, as a rule, the first place that you can start and what you can use when you settle into a new role to help you get a little bit of momentum, whatever the role might be. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I guess you you never know that the answer to that question. You know, people, oh, come on! I thought you were going to tell me something like <laughs> some secret hidden HR secret. Where is it? <laughs> no, no, is it? But you can. I, I, you know, it's it, it's like the employee doing the due diligence on the employer, the employer doing the due diligence on the employee, and I think that you know when we are employing people, what's really important is to to understand, well, can I, you know, you're, you're always thinking, can I trust this person? Is this person being authentic? Is, yeah. you know, am I understanding what this person is saying? But, you know, when it comes to opening doors, I mean, asking questions at interview around how you activate your networks, how do you engage with your networks is is very important. But I guess that's one of the hardest things, you know, we, we've all employed potentially people who perhaps said that they could do things and they couldn't do things. But yeah, it, it, it's a really hard. You, you, you won't know the answer to that question, but I think connecting with someone's authenticity is really important in the employer employee interview. Mm, when- that's beautifully said, beautifully said. And you know, all, all jokes aside, I, I have experienced it where the applicant has sold themselves really well to me that they they've been you know, they have an extensive network. They can leverage that. They can lean on that. That will help them get going, get started, get a bit of momentum. And it's yeah. like, well, what else can I really do as the employer other than take it at, at face value? And I, I remember it happened to me. I took it at face value, got going with it, and it lasted a week and it kind of fizzled out for that person. And what can I do to help that person, you know, maintain their momentum and, yeah. and keep connecting with their network? Are they doing it the right way? It's a training issue. Just because I had a network there doesn't mean it's going to work here and Oh gosh, it's like all becomes, that's where the, buy the wrong person and it costs you $10,000 comes in. Well, I would also add to that, Rob, that the most important skill is being able to open up new doors. Yeah. 
because that you can't always rely on your networks and your networks may not match what you want to do next. Mm -hmm. They may not match where you want to go. And that's another skill that I, I do see lacking in the millennials and the Gen Zs coming through that I'm working with. That skill of opening doors, being able to talk to someone and engage with someone for the purpose of whatever the purpose is, might be for a job, it might be to sell them something, might be just to connect them with with something else. But that skill where you don't know someone, mm. of open, I call it opening the door, is a critical skill. Again, a critical skill for the future. Absolutely. 150% agree with that. Maybe I can uh, be a little bit generous with the audience and and the younger audience that listens in the entrepreneurial audience and share how I actually do do that. Um, My my LinkedIn strategy is uh, a little bit opposite to yours. And that's because I need to connect to more people and as many people as I, as I need to, because I'm trying to amplify my message with my podcast. Right. So I accept anybody that comes to me and, you know, in the last week or so, there must've been the last two weeks has been like 1500 or so that I've added to my LinkedIn. It's huge. Right. And I would have probably a a 30% engagement rate of people. So I'm reaching out and they're coming back to me using the sales navigator, coming back to me, engaging with me. And then we have a little conversation and it's very time consuming, very, very time consuming. And sometimes I'll, I'll look in the morning and there's like 30 messages I've got to answer. But the really good thing is it's really kind of short and sharp and I can just look at their profile quickly, look at their website quickly and answer quickly. And Usually about 10 messages in, my fingers are tingling from, from typing because I can type it like 70 words a minute, but it can only do it for so long, you know, and it kind of turns your brain to scrambled eggs. So I, more often than not, and this is the tip for people listening, this is how I connect with new people. It's a bit of Jordan Belford stuff. If you know the Wolf of Wall Street, he's all about selling on the phone and straight line sales technique. And my KPI for myself is to connect with five new people every day that I've never spoken to. That's a KPI that I have for myself. It's on my to-do list every day. And whether I'm doing it on a podcast, so you would be one today, and we're having a big, long, deep conversation here on a podcast, or I get on the phone and I pick up the phone and I talk like this. So I say, hello, Libby, how are you? It's Robert from the, I use my radio voice as well. It's a bit of a, bit of a kind of a, a hack. Hello, hello, Libby, it's Robert from the Go All In podcast. How are you doing today? And you're like, who's it from the Go? We connected on LinkedIn. Hey, look, really quickly, so that's the first tip. Jordan Belford, right? Really quickly, I've just been sending a whole boatload of messages. And instead of sending you a message, I thought I would ring up and talk like a human being instead of typing like a robot. Do you have a second? Mm. And every time, 10 times out of 10, they say yes. Yeah. And it just, it's the Jordan Belford straight to the, straight to the point, straight line sales technique, sharp as a tack, clear as a bell, ready to go. And then just engage with a conversation. I think I might've even done that technique with you. And we spoke for about an hour on the phone. <laughs> I recall, I think I was in the US at the time in Denver. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah I remember. And, and because you kind of it was in the evening there for you, we chatted for ages. It was really nice. And, and here you are on a podcast, so to speak. So that's, you know, some, mm. some examples of, of what you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, LinkedIn is an amazing tool to reach out to people. You know, when I'm working with clients and talking to them about their strategies around their career and the tactics we're going to put in place, to connect with people and to open those doors. There's no excuse anymore, really, not to do your research on people and reach out to people. And if people don't want to reach back out to you, that's fine. You know, you, you, can't, uh, you can't keep harassing people, 
but you might, you know, you've got to understand people are busy. Mm. Um, so just reaching out to them gently in your style, the way you do it. So, Rob, you're very authentic in the way you reach out to people, and that's fantastic. There's the other introverted people, though, or even other extroverts who would find that quite confronting, that style. But there is a style for you, and being able to be true to that style absolutely helps you get to where you want to go. Oh, look, I, I'm, I'm so unbelievably aware that what I just said is not for everybody. I, I've done that in sales meetings with my business development managers before, and they look at me like I'm from Mars. I can't yeah. speak like that. I can't say that. I can't talk like that. I, I'm, and the reason you can't is because you're not me and you don't have my personality. You're not rigid and straight up and down and you don't have a voice like mine. You're just not me. That's why it doesn't work. But that, that's what I discovered works for me over the years. Absolutely. And everyone has their way, their, mm. their style. And opening doors is is very important skill of the future. And I think if people can uh, learn to do it in the way that sits with them best, you know, it, it will work. And, you know, I actually put on LinkedIn recently, I was uh, flying down to Sydney for a meeting and um, the head of Microsoft um, Australia, I've just forgotten his name, you know, had put in a quote in the, in the magazine around, you know, if you're connecting with people in your style, this is the gist of what he was saying, ultimately you'll be attracting like people into your world. Mm-hmm. So it's worthwhile being authentic. It's worthwhile doing it your way. Mm, yeah, beautifully, beautifully said. And thanks again for sharing all of those insider tips. Hopefully the, uh, the listeners are, are getting some value because there's value bomb after value bomb dropping on today's podcast. And I really appreciate that. Libby, I wanted to shift gears a little bit here as we come to the end of the podcast. If you, you shared your go all in story and, and you said one of the top things that you need to do if you want to go all in is to be brave. And I know that there's a lot of people that listen to this show that are always teetering on the edges of wanting to commit. They want to transition their career or leave their job and go into their small business, but they can't quite get there. There's a little bit of fear and trepidation, which is completely normal, completely natural to be feeling like that. What would you say the top one or two things, as well as being brave, are if you're going to go all in and and commit to something? Well, I think you want to be strategic. So, and you want to do some work on yourself. So (laughs) you want to, in the first instance, if you're having that that little piece of fear that's, that's coming in, stopping you from where you want to go. Do some work on yourself, but be very strategic in how you're going to move forward. Don't put barriers up. Being strategic is not putting barriers up, but it's looking at the options so that you can really say, well, if I go this way, this is what's going to happen. If I go this way, this is what's going to happen. But being able to, to then take those steps, knowing that, if things don't go according to plan, that's okay because not everything's going to work out the first time round. So if you're taking those steps forward, thinking like there's a great quote, act as though failure is not an option, mm. something along those lines. So being able to say, take those steps and think I'm going to head in this direction, having your purpose right Remembering your vision will help you, will help you to take those next steps. Oh, yeah. I, love it. I love it. People pay lip service to, to mission and vision and things like that. But I think it's so damn important when you're about to go all in on something. And 
you know, you've got a, a high definition destination. That's your strategy where you're going, but then you've got the tactics to get there. And when you fail and you will fail, there's, it's inevitable that you'll fail at things in your life. You don't really fail. You just get some feedback and everybody has gaps. You've got yeah. a gap from where you, where you currently are to where you're trying to get. And if you fail, that's because you've yeah. got a gap there. You just got to close that gap. That, that's right. And it reminds me, Rob, you know, another thing that's really important on this journey is you, that I've learned is have the right people around you. Mm. You don't have to do it by yourself. So whether you, you're working with, if you're transitioning careers or changing careers, advancing your career, you know, reaching out someone like myself or, you know, you're working with a career coach or you're, you know, you're working with people that you trust. I think, you know, that's one of the things I've really learned in business is, you know, I have a very good lawyer now in Sydney and, you know, I can get him on the phone and talk to him and, and say, this is what, this is what I'm thinking. A good accountant, good people around me that I want to have around me. And when their invoices come in, I go, yep, I like paying that invoice. Yeah, it's um, an issue. Yeah. I, see, I see the value there. So you do want, if you are taking those steps in business, having people around you that you trust and that you can reach out to is really a great thing to have. And remembering you don't have to do it alone. There are people out there that can help you, but it does take a little bit of time to, I think, find those people. And don't be afraid to interview suppliers. If you're a business person, I interviewed five lawyers before I got to Justin because I thought, you know, that's a, that's a big call, you know, a big part of business these days. So find people that you want to work with. Um, in my own case, when I'm work, when, I, when clients, future clients ring me, I'll always have a cup of coffee with them or we'll, we'll do a Zoom meeting if, if they're overseas or um, it's, it's, it's easier just to make sure that I'm going to add value to your world and, you know, that, that's really important. So don't be afraid to interview your suppliers. Yeah, beautifully, beautifully said. You know, there's the, the one thing that all professional athletes have, all of them, all professional athletes that get, whether they, you know, just broke through into being professional or they've been pros and they get paid hundreds of millions of dollars, is a coach. Coach, yeah. absolutely. They all have a coach, but we forget that in business, in HR, in life, that we can have a coach as well. And, and the thing, the coach will help you and guide you where you need to go. They're not going to do it for you, but they're going to help you get there. And an accountability buddy will help you stay on track. The accountability buddy will help you to do, you know, you're going to go out there and put it out to the world and say, I'm going to go all in on this business and I'm going to do that. Well, make sure you get a coach there that helps you not get tripped up on the things that can go wrong and make sure you've got an accountability buddy that keeps you in there to help you to do what it is that you say you're going to do. Libby, as we come to the end of the podcast, I love this part of it. We shift gears a little bit. I'm going to put you into the hot seat and ask you some rapid fire, quick questions. It's a little okay. bit of fun to close okay. it all out. It's in no particular order. It's a little bit random. Just tell okay. me the first thing that comes to mind. You've lived all over the world. Tell me, Libby, what's your favorite place to live? Is it Bris Vegas or is it somewhere else? I'm going to have to say the south of France. I love the south of France. <laughs> it makes you sound really posh, right, and pretentious. Well, no. <laughs> the south of France, perhaps, yes. Just, just a, little, a little cottage, a little B&B. That's my retirement plan. A little B&B, south of France, Cavalier Samer. Beautiful. Paint, paint a picture for me because I've never been to France and I've never been, certainly never been to the south of France. What's the attraction? I, I actually hear that quite a lot. Is it the beach, the weathers, the, what is it? 
Uh, well, I, I, I love France and I love, I love the French people, actually. I love, I don't speak fluent French, but I'd love to, I'd love to be yeah. able to do that one day. I think it's, it's the weather. It's just, you know, it's the lifestyle. It's the culture. I don't know. I, when I first went there years ago, I just had a real affinity for the place. Yeah. Very nice. But I love Australia. Australia is a great, is a great nation, of course. Very nice. So I've got Europe on my uh, on my list for next year. So maybe okay. get the south of France on there as well. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right. Next uh, next question. In the spirit of authenticity, funny enough, before I uh, turned on the the call here and we started recording the podcast, one of the questions I wrote wrote down before the before the interview says, "How do you be authentic in a job interview? How do you be authentic in a job interview?" Well, you've done your work on yourself, you know your value proposition and you know your key areas of expertise and, and you're able to answer the questions and even in, in the way that reflects that you actually want to be there. I always say don't go for the job, go for the offer. And that means you've got a choice at the end of the interview or the end of the process when they say, do you want this job? You're interviewing the employer just as much as they are interviewing you. And I know that's hard sometimes because sometimes we're in places in our lives where we where it's important to find work and get a job. I, I totally get that. But being authentic in an interview comes down to you truly understanding self, understanding your strengths and how they apply to that job and is that what you want to be doing day to day to make your living? That's the critical question. Beautiful, beautifully said, beautifully said. All right, you've, you've got a lot of experience in business and just in life in, in general. And I always like to ask these people, what's a skill that you're working on at the moment that you haven't quite mastered yet? Well, I'm working on my social media skills. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of people that can help you with that. Come on. <laughs> I'm working on putting myself out there in the social media sense. <laughs> Um, what's the block what's stopping you well this is a really good question so my block would be you know will people listen you know you kind of I know that sounds a bit crazy but yeah that's I kind of think I I know I've got a great message and you know my testimonials and the people I've worked with have been wonderful but um, yeah it's just one of those blocks because there's so much noise out there I suppose and I I I have a, quite a simple approach to these things and I think, uh, yeah, so that's something I'm really working on at the moment is is getting that message out there through social media to as a skill and being comfortable with it in that world. Absolutely. It's, uh, maybe, I, maybe I can share with you that nobody's listening but everybody's listening. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> when imagine trying to start a podcast really, really, really hard and, you know, I had this... For me personally, I think I've said it a couple of times in a few different shows. And if you're listening to this the first time on this podcast, this is something that you'll probably kind of furrow your brow a little bit and go, what's he talking about? When I first started my podcast, I, the, the background was I wanted to write a book, but writing a book is very hard if you've ever tried to do something like that. And I realized about 150 pages in, I didn't want to write a book. I actually wanted to share my opinions. And yeah. then I had this giant imposter syndrome thing come over the top of me saying, You've got no opinions to say. You've done nothing in your life, mate. You've been yeah. nowhere. It's just average, just nothing. Like, And then I was like, you know, you have the, the devil and the angel on your shoulder. They're like talking to you. And, 
you have this internal thing going on in your mind telling you all the reasons why you can't and then all the reasons why you should and then you just get paralyzed by a little bit of fear a bit of trepidation and for me in the end I just kind of dived in and I said well maybe if I don't tell my stories I tell other people's stories and then inject my opinions there because that's what I wanted to do yeah it'll work and sometimes I feel like I'm shouting down an empty hallway but then I put an episode out and I get 30 emails or I get you know all these messages in Facebook and it's like what the hell apparently there is a lot of people that are listening out there you just you just don't know because they're not giving you the feedback so if you're listening to this please give me some feedback because i would love to know if you're listening to this and maybe connect with libby so she knows you're listening as well that'd be awesome Mm. no well i think it's a great point rob and i think you know what you know when you look at what you've done and and the podcast i think i think it's very good and you know people are listening and Mm. i think you know that comes back to if you're seeing things differently just go for it because it will happen. Look at that. Look at you giving a bit of self-talk there on air. I love it. <laughs> All right. Last question for the hot seat, Lib. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Stop thinking about it and just get out there and do it. I love it. I love it. All go all in. Yep, absolutely. All go all in. Scary, but can be so exciting at the same time. Excellent. Well, that's a beautiful way to finish out this podcast. If people wanted to connect with you, Libby, what's the best way to do that? Through LinkedIn or through your website? What's the best way? Well, yeah, LinkedIn, of course, or through my website. So you can email me at libby at steamcapital.com.au. Most definitely I will um, respond, yeah, to your emails, of course. If you've got any questions, uh, there's a few blog articles on my website if you want to go and check those out. And when's the platform launch in October? Yeah, we hope to run the pilot program starting in October. If you wanted to be involved in that, we we will have a criteria for involvement in that. But um, please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you if you're an employer or an employee for that Steam Connect pilot program. So, yeah, that's... uh, yeah, love to hear from you. Anyone, and it will be, it's an Asia-Pacific focus. So we are, you know, I'm talking to businesses in India, China, Singapore, Australia, of course, New Zealand. So please, yep, through the website via LinkedIn. Awesome, fantastic. And if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, just have a peek at your phone and you can see all the links to Libby's website and her email right there in the show notes so you don't have to go digging for it or remembering it. You can see them right there in the show notes. And if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, likewise, just scroll down and her links are right there in the show notes. Well, Libby, it's been a whole lot of fun and it's been very, very valuable, I feel, from an employer's perspective. And I know from the employee's perspective, it's been really valuable as well. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your experience and your view on the goal in mindset and a bit of bravery and just going for it. I love it. Thanks for coming on, Lib, and really appreciate it. We look forward to speaking with you again soon. It's bye for now. Thanks, Rob. Bye, everyone. Take care. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Libby, just take a peek at your phone and you'll see all of the links to her website and her socials right there so you don't have to go digging for them. And if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just scroll down and all of the links are right there in the description as well. 
As always, if you've got a question or a comment or you want to leave some feedback for me, you can reach out via the Go All In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goalin.com.au for more info. And if you like what you heard today, I'd really appreciate it if you leave me a review on the app that you're listening in on right now because that helps a whole boatload as well. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. You flip around your hair as if you're unaware, but you should know that I'm looking at